The story of the Sikhs continues as the fourth guru, Ramdas, establishes Ramdaspur as a great center of the Sikh faith. The guru is troubled by the behavior of his oldest son, Prithichand, who is envious of Arjun, his younger brother. For it is said that their grandfather, Guru Amardas, had prophesied that it was Arjun who was destined for great glory. This is co-producer Erica Wong, welcoming you to join us on this fascinating journey. There was great excitement in the court of Guru Ramdas. Baba Sirichand, the eldest son of Guru Nanak, had just arrived unexpectedly. Sirichand lived the life of an ascetic. He had founded his own sect of holy men known as the Udasis. His hair was matted and he spent much of his time in meditation performing yogic austerities. There was also some apprehension, for Sirichand was known to have a temper. He had been angry when Guru Angad had been chosen by Guru Nanak to succeed him, a position that Sirichand, as Guru Nanak's firstborn, felt was his by right. He had never condescended to visit either Guru Angad or Guru Amardas, but here he was now, approaching the court of Guru Ramdas. What could he want? Was he coming to pick a fight with the Guru? Was he going to use his legendary spiritual powers, won by hard penance, to curse the Guru of the Six? The Guru had deep respect in his heart for the son of Guru Nanak, and he hastened to receive him, making an offering of a beautiful horse and the princely sum of five hundred rupees. In the evening, the bards were summoned and they began to sing. Guru Ram thus invited Srichand to sit in a place of prominence and himself humbly sat cross-legged on the floor. Srichand was much pleased by the reception he had received, but he decided to test Guru Ram thus. He looked upon the Guru with narrowed eyes, focusing his attention on the Guru's long beard. Why have you grown your beard so long, he asked, in a slightly mocking tone, which suggested that the long beard perhaps was a show of piety. Completely unfazed, Guru Ram thus approached him, knelt, and said, So that I can wipe the dust off the feet of holy men such as you. Sirichand smiled and spoke, Dekh nimrata guru ki sirichand bhai prasanna, angadlini sevakar, tumro prem anan, tumri mehma adik hai, kahiye ka banaye, tumre sarme jo majhe, papi bhi gat pai. Beholding such humility, sirichand he beamed much pleased. Angad was blessed by service, through love the throne you seized. Magnificent your glory, my feeble words enslaved, by bathing in your sacred pool, 
each sinner will be saved. Guru Ram Das had won the heart of the haughty Siri Chand with his humility and had received his blessing. As directed by Guru Amar Das during his lifetime, Guru Ram Das had built a pool in the village of Ram Daspur. Ram Daspur became known as Amritsar, the most prominent place of worship for the Sikhs. The golden temple stands in the midst of the sacred pool that Siri Chand blessed. Its cool waters have provided solace to millions over the centuries, and its green depths have absorbed the blood and pain of Sikhs over and over again throughout their tumultuous history. visitor had arrived in Rambaspur. His name was Gurdas and he was a cousin of the Guru's wife Bibi Pani. He was received with much respect and he presented himself in the court of Guru Ramdas, expressing a desire to serve. The Guru immediately sensed his devotion and sincerity and decided to send him to Agra, a city that had become very prominent in the Mughal Emperor Akbar's time to minister to the Sikhs there. As Guru Ram Das instructed Pai Gurdas about the conduct of an ideal Sikh, he uttered a hymn. Gur Sat Gur Kajo Sikh Akave So Palke Uthar Naam Dhyave Uddam Kare Palke Parabhati Snan Kare Amrit Sarnave Updes Guru Har Har Jap Jape Sab Kilvik Paap Dokh Leh Jave फिर चढ़े दिवस गुरबाणी गावे बेंदियां उठदियां हर नाम ध्यावे जो सास गिरास ध्याए मेरा हर हर सो गुरमुख गुरु मन भावे जिसनो दयाल होवे मेरा स्वामी तिस गुरमुख गुरु उपदेश सुनावे जन नानक धूड़ मंगे तिस गुरसिख की जो आप जपे अवरै नाम जपावे the Guru Sikh shall rise at dawn, the Lord he'll ponder every morn, and as the break of day draws near, bathe he shall sweet nectar clear, chanting forever the Guru's sooth, erasing every fault uncouth, with the rising sun will praises sing, incessantly of his glorious king, his every breath a prayer true, the Guru's blessings do accrue. The Guru's words are not for all, only for those who love his thrall. Let Nanak noble men admire, who sing and others do inspire. Baigurdas took the Guru's message to heart and departed for Agra to serve the local Sikhs there, which he did with great dedication and distinction. He was destined to return to Ramdaspur to serve the Sikh faith like none other.
Ram Das was widely respected as the leader of the Sikh faith, which was growing in leaps and bounds. Sikhs thrived in Ramdaspur, the town he had established, as well as in Goindwal, Khadur, Kartarpur, and indeed in far-flung places where the Guru's representatives ministered to them. Guru Amar Das had established the order of the Manjis, dividing his spiritual empire into 22 districts. As the community of the faithful grew, more resources were needed to serve them and to execute various projects for the public good. The Guru, after some reflection, decided to send agents to administer the burgeoning Sikh congregations and also to collect the offerings of the faithful. These agents were called Masands. In the time of the Afghan kings, nobles in their courts were known as Masandi Ali. The Sikhs called their guru Sacha Padshah, or the true king, and his agents Masands, or courtiers, after the fashion of the Afghan courts. Rich offerings started to flow back to the guru's treasury for the use of the faithful, but over time, the Masands would become corrupt and start appropriating the offerings for their own use. The Guru was not at peace. He was deeply disappointed in his eldest son, Pirthichand, who had developed into a greedy, scheming, and unscrupulous man. He was always jealous of his youngest brother, Arjun, who was loved by everyone for his kindness and devotion. Also, it was whispered that their late grandfather, Guru Amardas, had prophesied that Arjun was destined for greatness. The Guru was acutely aware of the ill will that Prithichand harbored towards his brother, and it disturbed him greatly. One day the Guru's cousin Sahari Mal arrived in Ramdaspur, laden with gifts and baskets heaped with sweets. He had travelled from Lahore to invite the Guru to his son's wedding. Guru Ramdas replied that the Guru's place was at his court, as Sikhs flocked to him every day seeking instruction and guidance. It would be unseemly for him to neglect his duties as Guru to attend a family wedding. Besides, wherever he went, he was accompanied by a large crowd of followers, and it would just not be right to impose the burden of feeding them all upon the parents of the bride. The Guru ordered Prithichand to travel to Lahore to represent him at the wedding. Prithichand hemmed and hawed. I have never been separated from you, father, and I couldn't bear it. Besides, I am in charge of managing all the offerings and making sure that they are not misused. I also need to oversee the langar to make sure that all the guests who visit are well fed and taken care of. When Guru Ram Das pointed out that these were mundane tasks that many of his followers would be delighted to take care of, Pirthichand dug in his heels. I cannot stomach the turmoil of a wedding, father. Please let me be. 
Guru Ramdas was deeply disappointed, but he did not press his son any further. Pirthi Chand had two reasons for not wanting to go to Lahore. He had been appropriating a portion of the offerings of the faithful for his personal use, and was fearful that his illicit income might stop if he gave up their oversight, even temporarily. His bigger fear was rooted in the esteem that Arjun was held in. He just did not want to leave his brother alone with Guru Ramdas, fearing that it would only give them an opportunity to get even closer to one another. Guru Ramdas then turned to his second son Mahadev, who was of a deeply religious and reclusive bent. Mahadev flatly refused to go, because he felt he could not concern himself with something so mundane as a family wedding. The Guru then finally turned to his youngest son Arjun, who, being most obedient, readily agreed to go. Guru Ramdas told him to stay in Lahore after the wedding, to minister to the local Sikhs and not return to Ramdaspur until he received a command to do so in writing. It was to be a long separation. Perhaps Arjun's mother Bibi Pani had an inkling that her son was going to be separated from her for quite some time. As he was leaving, she summoned him and spoke. Her son wrote down his mother's words and preserved them for posterity. Jis simrat sab kilavik nase pitri hoye udharo, so har har tum sadhi japo taka antna paro, puta mata kiya sis, nimakhna visro tumko har har sada bhajo jagdis, Satguru tumko hoye dayala, sant sang teri preet, kapad pat par mesr rakhi bhojan kirtan neet. Amrit pivo sadachir jivo har simrat anad ananta, rangatmasa puran asa kavena vyape chinta, bhavaratumara ehman hovo har charna ho kaula, nanak das un sang laptayo jo bunde chatrik mola. Dwelling on whom all sins are laved, verily generations saved, towards him ever may your mind bend the limitless one without an end. Your mother's blessing, my dear son, my darling child, my precious one, for an instance do not from him part, Lord of the world deep in your heart. His kindness on you let it rain, companions holy forever fain, swathed in grace from feet to head, singing praises daily bread. Live forever, quaff his name, with joyous love your heart aflame, happy fulfilled forever live, never more your heart misgive. Your heart a joyous bumblebee, buzzing around the Lord carefree, Nanak enmeshed in his embrace, thirsty rainbird, droplets grace. <laughs> The Chatrik, or Rainbird, 
also referred to as the Babiha or Papiha, is a mythical creature that appears often in spiritual or romantic writing from the Indian subcontinent. Some ornithologists suggest that it is the Jacobin cuckoo, while others believe it to be the common Iora. The Chatrik is used as a literary device to express desire and yearning. The bird is said to make an appearance before the monsoon rains, which invariably arrive after long, hot, parched summers. The Chatrik sings its song plaintively as it awaits the rain, for it can slake its thirst only by drinking raindrops. Often signifying unrequited love, the Chatrik dies of thirst, as the rains are late, or it can't drink enough rainwater to survive. The song of the Chatrik is a beautiful metaphor for spiritual yearning and is used often in the writings of the Sikh gurus. Arjun dutifully left Ram Daspur for Lahore and attended the wedding, representing his father with much graciousness. After the wedding, he stayed on in Lahore, following his father's instructions. He spent time ministering to the Sikhs of Lahore and engaged in discourse with holy men and mystics as he awaited a summons from his father. In a forgotten corner of Lahore stands the tomb of the celebrated Sufi saint Mir Muhammad Mainul Islam, who history remembers as Mia Mir. It is a place of great serenity, providing shelter to many. Every Thursday, free food is distributed to the poor. Gavals, traditional Sufi singers, melodiously extol the glories of the divine much to the delight of the never-ending stream of visitors. Mia Mir was born in Sistan, which lies in the modern-day Pakistani province of Sindh, in 1550. He became a celebrated saint in the Qadri order of Sufism and spent most of his life in Lahore. Mia Mir met Arjun during his visit to the city, he was very impressed with the young man's spiritual bent and deep insights. They spent many pleasant hours enjoying each other's musings on the divine. Both shared a deep love of spiritual music as well. Although Miamir was older than Arjun by 13 years, they became fast friends. Miamir would go on to become an important figure in the history of the Sikh faith. Oh, oh, oh. 
Even though Arjun kept himself busy in Lahore, he constantly yearned to return to Ramdaspur to be at the Guru's side. In vain each day he waited for a messenger carrying a written summons. Finally, he decided to do something. He sent for a paper, a pen and ink, and composed a quatrain, which he addressed to his father, the Guru. Mera man loche gur darsan taai bilap kare chatrik ki nyai trikhana utre santna ave bin darsan sant pyare jiyo hon koli ho kol kumai gur darsan sant pyare jiyo I yearn for you my guru beseech thirsty rainbirds cry my speech unsated am i sans repose my eyes seek you, you are not close. My soul to you a sacrifice, only will your presence suffice. Arjun handed the letter to a trusted Sikh and dispatched him to Ramdaspur. The vigilant Pirthichand pounced upon the man and demanded to know if his brother had sent a letter, which the Sikh meekly surrendered to him. Pirthichand read the quatrain and his heart sank. Such deep feelings of love, expressed as mystical poetry, it would only serve to endear his brother even more to the Guru. He hid the letter and wrote one in response, bidding Arjun not to return and signed it in the name of Guru Ramdas. Arjun, of course, saw through the deception and decided to compose a second quatrain. Tera mukh suhava jiyo sahaj dhun baani, chir hua dekhe sarang paani. Tan su des jahaan tu vasya, mere sajjan meet murare jiyo. Ho koli ho kol kumai, gur sajjan meet murare jiyo. As beauteous is your face, thus blissful is your speech. This rain bird parched forever, your solace does beseech. O oh, blessed is the country whole where dwells the master of my soul, a sacrifice my soul to you, my master, friend, my lord, so true. Pirthichan's vigilance had redoubled. Every day he would fret, on the lookout for a visitor from Lahore. He accosted the Sikh carrying the second letter again, promising to take it to the Guru. His face fell when he read the second quatrain, he cursed his fate. Why could he not compose such beautiful poetry? He forged a second letter in the name of Guru Ramdas, urging Arjun to remain in Lahore until he personally went there to bring him back. The Sikh, of course, told Arjun what had transpired. Completely unruffled, he sat down to compose a third quatrain. एक कड़ी न मिलते ता कलजुग होता हुन कद मिलिए प्रिय तुद भगवंता मोहे रैन न विहावे नींद न आवे बिन देखे गुर दरबारे जियो हो कोली हो कोल कुमाई तिस सच्चे गुर दरबारे जियो अ सेकंड विदाउट यू डार्क एज एंटायर व्हेन विल वी मीट बिलवेड सायर this painful night I can't endure, your court I seek exalted pure, a sacrifice I am to you, to the glory of your court, it's true. This time, 
he wrote the number three on the top of the letter to indicate to the Guru that it was not the first. He also instructed the Sikh to be on his guard and deliver the letter directly into the Guru's hands. Pirthi Chand was in a tizzy. He knew his brother would write again, and he posted guards to intercept all visitors from Lahore. But this time, Arjun's messenger evaded him and safely delivered the epistle to Guru Ramdas. The Guru, much pleased upon receiving a letter from his son, opened it and began to read. As the elegant words of the quatrain rolled off his tongue, he felt a surge of love for his youngest, and then his attention was drawn to the number three at the top of the letter. Where are the other two? The guru asked the messenger from Lahore in puzzlement, and Pirthi Chand's perfidy stood exposed. The guru summoned Pirthi Chand and asked him to explain himself. Pirthi Chand blithely told his father that the letters had contained nothing important. They were just Arjun's scribblings, father. You are so busy ministering to the thousands that flock to see you every day. I just didn't want to bother you. The guru sternly ordered Pirthi Chand to produce the letters, but he made all kinds of excuses, saying that he had misplaced them. Citing a long list of tasks that awaited him, he slunk away from the guru's presence. The guru sent one of his Sikhs to search Pirthi Chand's home. The letters were found intact in the pocket of Pirthi Chand's coat. The Guru's eyes welled up as he read his son's letters. Such love, such devotion, and above all, such forbearance and obedience. Lahore was not that far from Ramdaspur. Who would have blamed Arjun if he had made the short trip to see the Guru? Yet, despite his intense desire to see Guru Ramdas, he had restrained himself. He had shown the kind of obedience and devotion that had conferred greatness upon Guru Angad, Guru Amardas, and indeed Guru Ramdas himself. Bhai Buddha, with the Guru's approval, shared the sorry tale of Pirthi Chand's villainy with the entire court. Pirthi Chand sputtered and raged and tried to explain away his behavior, but his act of pettiness and jealousy was out in the open. There was no going back. Pai Buddha took a carriage to Lahore to bring Arjun back to Ramdaspur immediately. Father and son were reunited at last. Guru Ramdas addressed his son. These three quatrains that you wrote to give voice to your pangs of separation are magnificent. The hymn, however, to be complete, needs a fourth. Arjun responded humbly with a quatrain of thanks. Fortune has smiled my masters near, the immortal Lord I find right here. Part from you will never again, your humble slave shall he remain. Upon hearing this, Guru Randas was pleased and relieved. His journey was nearing its end, and his greatest responsibility was to name a worthy successor. While he was aware of the prophecy of Guru Amardas, 
which favored Arjun's claim to the Guruship, he had wanted to make sure that his son was capable and ready. Clearly, he was. Guru Ramdas saluted his son as he was formally anointed Guru Arjun, the fifth Guru of the six, once again by Buddha applied the saffron mark to the forehead of the next Guru. had been ripples of discontent upon the succession of Guru Angad, Guru Amardas, and Guru Ramdas. Each time, the Guru's sons had been passed over and the Guru's throne had been bestowed upon a humble and devoted servant. This, however, was different. Brother was now pitted against brother. Pirthichan's anger knew no bounds. He was convinced that he was every bit as capable as Guru Arjun, and he felt that he had a much stronger claim as he was the older son. The blood of Guru Amardas and Guru Ramdas ran through his veins too. How could he be denied? First, he accosted by Buddha, the venerable elder who had been anointing gurus from the time of Guru Angad. The poet Santok Singh describes Pirthichan's wrath as he berated by Buddha. Sun Buddha ham tujko jane, Guru Nanak sang mehma mane, Isbid aaj teek mat meri, Rehena ab sharda krit heri, Reho sang sab hi sat gurke, Dekhat reho britant sudhurke, Main jest ar layak aache, Uchit ruti gurta pit paache, So tumne kach nahi bichareo, भयो बिर्द के बुदबल हारे हो, पित तो गुरु नाम इक बने, मैं विवहार चलावे घने, सब बिद की बुद तुम मम जानत, सब संगत गुर मुह अनुमानत, कृत अचानक एक या कीन, तै उठ तुरत तिलक कर दीन? Listen old man, I know you well, with गुरु नानक did you dwell, before you I'd respectfully bow, gone forever that honor now. With every guru you walked each day, you understood every guru's way. I am the accomplished elder son, why am I not the chosen one? Did you not pause to think of this? Your dotage rendered you remiss. My father does lead but a name, I bring him glory and fame. My virtues are not hid from you. They all want me, my followers, true. What did you do, unseemly haste? Smeared his forehead saffron paste? Purple-faced, almost driven insane by his anger, Pirthichan poured venom on his father as well. Jis prakar tum mujso thani, 
इसको फल देखो अगवानी दर्भ वृंद अब मोह समीप मिल हो बली जो हो महीप देकर तन को तिस अपनावे पित सुत तुमको कष्ट दिखावे जब तुम रो बस चले ना कोए बिना करे गुरता मुझ होए Knowingly you cheated me what was my fault what did you see you handed me this piteous fate fear the future just you wait my wealth and power you will see the mighty they will flock to me my wealth will their loyalty buy in pain will father and son cry and when your power has flown everything you'll see i'll own the storm clouds were gathering a new guru had been crowned but pirthichand would not take the decision lying down he was determined to vigorously contest his brother's succession to the throne of guru nanak much trouble lay ahead The Story of the Sikhs is produced by Almast Media. Our theme music is a rendition of a traditional Sikh hymn by the late Bai Avtar Singh. This episode features a recording in Raga Maj by Indian classical sarangi maestro Ustad Sarjit Singh Alak. This episode also features excerpts from several hymns from the Sikh tradition. One of them is a recording by the legendary Bai Dharm Singh Zakmi and his ensemble. Two of the hymns featured in this episode come from the archives of the Gurmat Sangeet project. They were recorded live at an all-night event held in London in 1977 to mark the birth anniversary of Guru Ramdas. The names of the musicians in the ensembles are not known. The Story of the Sikhs is sponsored by the Chardli Kala Foundation, a non-profit that helps young Sikhs in the diaspora understand the values of their faith. Serial entrepreneur Dr. Ratinder Paul Singh Ahuja and the Sawney Family Foundation. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are two things you can do to help us reach more listeners. Please subscribe to the podcast and be sure to write a short review. The Story of the Sikhs is written and narrated by Sarpreet Singh, author of the poem Kultar's Mine, which was adapted for the stage and tells the story of the massacre of the Sikhs in Delhi in 1984. I'm co-producer and audio engineer Erica Wong. In the next episode, we will learn about one of Guru Arjan's great achievements, the building of the Harmandar Sahib, the Golden Temple in Amritsar. We will see Prithichand's jealousy grow when a son and heir is born to Mata Ganga and Guru Arjan. This episode revolved around the story of Guru Arjan's exile to Lahore, his yearnings, and his return. We are pleased to bring you a beautiful recording of the four quatrains that he wrote, sung by Bai Avtar Singh in Raga Maj. Thank you for joining us. Tera mukh subhava ji ho tera mukh subhava ji ho tera Tera mukh subhava ji ho tera mukh subhava ji sahaj
Oh, 